Hi, thanks for joining us online. We're glad that you've chosen to access this message. It's so encouraging to know that God is using the ministry of Portico Community Church to touch the hearts and lives of people all across the world. If you have a story to share or a prayer request, we would love to hear from you at info at porticocanada.ca. To support our ministry, you can donate online by clicking on the Donate button at the top right of your screen. Once again, we're so glad that you've joined us. It's our prayer that this message from God's Word will deeply impact your life. His words sparked a firestorm. One statement is all it took. If your brother sins against you... Now, just stop. When people were listening to Jesus, catch what he said. He said, if your brother sins against you, and anybody in the room and anybody listening to him would have gone, are you serious? See, they were living in first century ancient Near East where they understood something, that that peace was just a thinly veiled disguise over the land. Roman occupation, Israel subjugated to Rome. It's just an obligatory time. They had to give peace to them. Even within their own settings, you have the the Jews and the Samaritans, and you have this social-cultural tension that's rife within the land, and it was polarizing people. Jews and Samaritans may have shared parts of a family tree, but they were more than willing to go on to Ancestry.Israel and figure out which branch needed to be cut off to cleanse that tree, and then push it a little bit further. You have the religious stream. You've got the Pharisees and the peasants. You've got the self-righteous, and you've got the simple. You've got people listening to Jesus saying, if your brother sins against you. So Peter, Peter was swift to respond. And he takes Jesus right at the statement. And he goes, Jesus, like, let's get this whole brother sin forgiveness deal nailed down. So when my brother, now notice what Peter said. He didn't say if. You've got to pick this up. He understood something. They were living in a culture that was rife with relational brokenness. Everybody had this. He goes, when my brother sins against me, how many times, Jesus, do I need to forgive him? So Peter's really saying to Jesus, let's cut to the chase. Let's let's get to the heart of the matter. What are you asking for? When is enough enough? When can I finally just kind of go... I did all I could do to reconcile this relationship, and we're done. We're done. And so Peter's hanging. Now, if you're taking notes, you can follow along and jot them in. They're in your bulletin today or online. But here's this one unalterable reality, this one truth that Jesus was going to just lay right out there for everybody to understand that forgiveness is a universal need. There wasn't a person listening to Jesus that didn't understand this. And so while Peter's still waiting for a response, he asked Jesus very clearly, Lord, how many times? Now, everybody else, they were grateful that Peter was there because they wondered the same question. They wanted to know, how often do I need to do this? How many times do I need to forgive somebody? When can I go enough is enough? Let's, Let's just rack this thing up and call it for what it is. And so at this point, I think everybody fully expected that Jesus was probably going to quote a piece of the law. He was going to cite a few rabbinical sources, and then he'd probably begin to teach on some of the the theological implications and imperatives of forgiveness, but he didn't. That's what's unusual here. He didn't. So while Peter's still waiting, how many times Jesus tells a story, a tale of the kingdom. 
And he starts off in this little, we heard it just a few moments ago out of Matthew chapter 18, and you can leave your Bibles up. We're going to reference this quite often through the message today. But So Jesus starts with a little bit of a story, and you can see what was happening in the crowd because as soon as Jesus says, hey, let me tell you a story, people roll their eyes and some of them think, I never get the point. I don't understand what Jesus is trying to teach. And then he always goes away and he explains it to a few people, but the rest of us were kind of left in the dark and we're always clueless. Why tell us a story that we're not going to get the meaning and the implication? But Jesus is never phased by people's condition. And he continues in the story. And if you're looking in your Bibles, it's in Matthew chapter 18, verse 23. And Jesus said these words, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. Everybody is listening. Now, did you notice something unusual about the way the story began? Particularly those of you that followed Jesus for a little while. We are so used to the story, we miss parts of the grammar. We're ready for the one who owed the 10,000 bags of silver or the 10,000 talents, whatever your translation uses. We're ready to jump into the rest of the story because we're conditioned to it. We know the story. But did you see what Jesus said at the beginning? He said there was a king, and he called in his servants, plural. That's a very profound implication to the story. What Jesus was doing was broadening out the context. Everybody wants to hear about the one, but Jesus goes, all of the servants of this king owed a debt, all of them. And he's calling all of his servants in to reconcile. And so before we fast-track down to the one who owed $10,000, 10,000 bags of silver or gold, we got to stop and go back to the story and look at the way Jesus has it here. He set up the story so intentionally. He said everyone had an account that needed to be settled. Everyone was indebted to the king. And forgiveness is a universal need. Now, while there may be varying degrees of need, here's the, the reality that we all have a need to be forgiven. Romans 3.10, it says very clearly, it says there is no one righteous, not even one. That means no matter how we view our life, all of us fall underneath that same obligation to our master and to our king. We all have a debt that we cannot afford to pay. We are all obligated to our king. The Bible states the need so plain, so clearly in our language that we understand that, that this forgiveness that we need, we want to argue our case, we want to defend ourselves. We like to look at other people. We can watch the news, just look at this last week. We can look at the news and we go, that person needs forgiveness, I don't. That person's a gossip. That person's a cheater. That person's a liar. That person committed sexual abuse. That person divorced that person. We can list names of people and put everybody up in their little buckets and categories. And we go, these are the people that need forgiveness, but I don't really need forgiveness. And Jesus goes, all of the servants were called in because the Bible said that all of us have sinned. All of us have missed the mark. All of us are indebted to our king. And so here is this profound implication as the listeners are opening up their hearts and their minds to Jesus. They're beginning to understand that all of us, not one of us, can discount our need for forgiveness. It's universal. Psalm 130, verse 3 and 4, it says, If you, Lord, kept a record of sin, Lord, who could stand before you? It's amazing. Who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness. And so Jesus begins to expand the story. And so while the story, all of these servants had varying degrees of indebtedness, Jesus then moves towards, he goes, now there's one in particular I want to talk to you about. This man owed 10,000 bags of gold, or your translation may say he owed 10,000 talents. Now we read words like this, and I don't know about what you do, but sometimes my, my eyes gloss over because I can't relate. I don't understand. It, it's no point of reference for me. And I go, I think it's a lot of money. 10,000 bags of gold could be a lot of money unless it's that gold-wrapped chewing gum. But it's 10,000 bags of gold is what he owed this guy. So I did a little bit of research to figure out what's going on here. 
So when we look at the story, Jesus was really trying to bring across this context of sort of the enormity of this man's indebtedness. 10,000 was the highest Greek numeral that was in use at the time. So everybody goes, okay, that's the biggest number that we know. And a talent was the largest sum of money that was the largest unit of currency that was in circulation. So they would go, okay, a talent is a huge amount as well. So Jesus takes these two big numbers, puts them together so that everybody goes, this debt was enormous. So the research I did is I started to figure out, well, what does this represent today? So a day's wage, we heard about this in one of the other stories, a day's wage was one denarii. So if you work for a day, you got a denarii. 6,000 denarii, 6,000 days wages equals one talent. So you start doing your math. Those of you that are really quick with math, you start thinking about this. So one day's wage, one denarii, 6,000 denarii, that equals one talent. So let's just take real quickly. So if they work six days a week, they didn't get two days off. They work six days a week. If you divide that into the year, that's 312 days. Give them 12 days, personal day, medical day, vacation day, festival day. Give them a few days off. 300 days. If you take 300 days divided into 6,000, you have 20 years worth of work. So that's one talent is 20 years worth of work. Now if you multiply it by the 10,000 talents or 10,000 bags of gold that we read in the Scripture, that's 200,000 years worth of wages. Now is it starting to add up? This man was deeply in debt. Anybody going, your visa card's looking pretty good right now? Yeah, this guy not so much. So he owes us 10,000 bags of gold or 10,000 talents. So what does it look like for us today? Well, I thought that'd be fun. So according to Workopolis, 2015, the average wage in Ontario was $49,088. So if you took our year's wage, divided it into the debt, you know, sort of did the extrapolation that takes place here, it comes to $9,817,600,000. Even Donald Trump couldn't rescue this guy. That's amazing. Look at the debt that he had. So when Jesus had this moment, he had their full attention because everybody listening to him, and even Peter, he goes, this man's debt was insurmountable. He couldn't do a thing to get out of debt. So the story continues. The king exercised his right. He called the servants in. He said, I want to settle up accounts. It's time. You pay your debt. You pay your debt. You pay your debt. By the way, you It's due today, on demand, pay up. And this man knew he was done. He could not repay. He was looking for excuses. He was making up all kinds of options. He was trying to work his way through like we would do. Any one of us would do the same thing. And finally, the king goes, that's enough. I want you to sell his property. I want you to sell his house. Whatever his estate is worth, put it towards the debt. I want you to sell his wife, sell his kids, sell him. Put him in debtor's prison, and their income goes to pay off the debt. And the man knew he was finished. And they're listening to this story of Jesus. And they go, whoa, this is incredible. So the man does what he can only do. He falls down on his knees, and he begins to beg. And he goes, please, please just have mercy on me. He knew he couldn't ask for forgiveness of the debt, but he could beg that possibly we could renegotiate the terms, or maybe we could extend the interest payments, whatever it would take to get out of this debt. He says, I will pay you back. Everybody here knows it was impossible. He could never do that in his lifetime. And he's begging this master. He's begging this king. He goes, I I will pay you back, but don't touch my wife and don't touch my kids and don't don't sell my home. It's all I got. And he's pleading for mercy. And the king, who could fully demand 
justice in this moment. He was within his rights. It was within his prerogative. He could have fully demanded and expected that this would be done. And everybody listening to Jesus goes, ooh, it's over for this guy. He's out. Jesus does something that nobody expected him to do. He goes, and the king canceled his debt. And they're like, what? He, what? The king canceled his debt. And in your notes, you can write down a second thought here. Jesus is bringing up something powerful in the kingdom of God, that forgiveness is an expression of mercy. Matthew 18, verse 27, it says, The servant's master took pity on him, and he canceled the debt, and he let him go. And those that were listening to Jesus probably said, No, 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 he, he must have misspoke. He didn't say canceled. He meant he carried the debt. He conveyed the debt. He's still going to expect payments. And Jesus goes, No, the king canceled the debt. He goes, You're free to go. Nine billion dollars. I wish I could meet this man. Nine billion dollars. And he goes, you're free. No more debt. And everyone is going, that's amazing. And Jesus was so intentional about the language that he chose. So at this point, Jesus is speaking about the power of mercy, that mercy is not the absence of justice. Mercy is not opposed to justice. Mercy goes beyond the requirements of justice and brings grace where nothing else could possibly do. So this man experienced incredible mercy and incredible grace. And of course, you can only begin to appreciate the joy that's taking place in this moment. And everybody is celebrating this tale of the kingdom is so much greater than anyone could possibly imagine. So what's going on here? Jesus is painting a compelling picture of what our Heavenly Father is like. He wants his audience and he wants Peter to know. Peter, you're asking how, how many times? Let me tell you about our Father. Let me tell you about a, a father who is so rich in his mercy that realizes that you could never pay for your sin. Peter, it's not about how many times anymore. And so for everybody listening to him, God, Jesus was saying that God is just and payment is required, but God is equally merciful, and that's why he sent his son Jesus Christ to die, not only for my sin, not only for your sin, he said, but he paid the price for the sin of the world, that this is the kind of God that we have. See, friends, if we really truly understood what mercy was all about, we would be doing what the people in the audience were doing. We would absolutely be blown away at the story because the story wasn't simply a fabricated tale. It was a tale of the kingdom revealing the truth of heaven, that God in his mercy has paid the price for all of our sins. We owe nothing. We owe nothing. According to Ephesians 2, 4, and 5, it says, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions, and it has been by grace that we have been saved. That's why the message is called good news, God who made us alive. That's why we've been freed from our sin. That's why we can celebrate the way we celebrate. The prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 55, 7, it says this, Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God, for he will forgive generously. And now everybody is going, I love this story. Jesus, tell another one. They're high-fiving, they're fist-pumping, they're back-slapping. This is the best story. Nobody needed it to be explained. They got it. There is nothing confusion. You don't have to walk away and talk to your disciples. Jesus, we get this one. So everybody's feeling really good. Isn't that a wonderful story? We love happy endings. It's Walt Disney just wrote this one. Everybody knows this is the way we want the story to end. And Jesus goes, but... And they go, what? The story's not over. You just finished with a great ending. Why would you continue the story? And Jesus goes, no, 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 no. He says, but, verse 28... 
When that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a few hundred silver coins. That's about $16,000. And he grabbed him, and he began to choke him, and he demanded. He says, you pay back what you owe me. And there is an eerie familiarity that begins to seep into the story. That this man has a servant who had borrowed money from him. And now he is choking him, and he's going, I want every last penny. I guess today that would be nickel. I want every last nickel from you. And this man begins to beg. He goes, please don't take my wife. Don't take my home. Don't take my kids. I will repay you. And he's on his knees begging for mercy. And this man is going, no. And he orders that he's thrown into debtor's prison. He goes, you go to prison until you repay the debt because you owe this to me. And you could almost feel within the crowd that there was an emotion shift that was beginning to take place. There's no more high-fiving. There's no more back-slapping. There's no more fist-pumping. There's been, this is un, underneath this undercurrent of seething anger that begins to grow. There's a sense of indignation. How could this guy, who's been forgiven $9 billion, how dare he act so unjustly towards a fellow servant? I mean, if this had not been a story, think about it. If this had not been a story, there would have been a distinct probability that crowd would have taken over and vigilante justice would have been meted. That they would have gone out and street justice would have been swift and merciless on this servant's. And everyone is feeling the indignation in this moment. I don't like this story anymore, Jesus. I don't like this man in this story. And their emotions turning towards almost hatred towards this man. But wait, 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 wait. He wasn't doing anything that was outside the provision of the law. He wasn't doing anything that he wasn't entitled to do that justice gave to him. He was simply exercising his prerogative. He loaned money to a servant, a friend. The friend had not paid him back. And he went to his friend and he said, you're paying up. You owe me $16,000 and I want my money back from you. Isn't it interesting how our emotions shift according to the story and where our hearts lie? Because it's a matter of the heart. And in this moment here, Jesus begins to show us a lesson that I think all of us need to catch. If you're writing it down, I want you to write down that forgiveness demands that we live differently. It demands that we live differently. Someone reported the incident to the master according to the story that Jesus was telling us. So the king orders that this servant would return to his presence, and he begins to interrogate him about the incident. In verse 33 of Matthew 18, he said, Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And he continues, he goes, I I canceled your debt. I wiped your slate clean. I forgave you of everything. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant? See, forgiveness friends, demands that we live differently. In my mind's eye, I can easily envision all of those that are listening to Jesus right now. And as their indignation slowly begins to subside and they're beginning to think, okay, okay, this is better. This is, I, I'm okay with the story again because Jesus, you had me up over here. I was really happy and then I was really, really mad. And, and now you're saying that the king is going to like met justice on this guy here. I'm good with that. Like, I'm starting to feel really, really good with that. And so as Jesus brings it into this landing point, everybody's listening to the story, and they're feeling, well, finally, this wicked servant's going to get what is coming to him. He's going to get his payment, and he's going to go to prison. And Jesus 
finishes the story without telling anybody he finished the story. And he looks at Peter, and he looks at the crowd, and he only has one thing to say. He said, this is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. You could feel the shock. They're going, (gasps) all of the emotion, all of the anger, all of the jubilation, and all of the vindictive spirit that had swirled in their hearts, and Jesus looks at them and goes, do you understand? Forgiveness demands that you live differently. And I can only believe that as soon as Jesus spoke those words that Peter, in Peter's mind, there was an echo. And he was asking Jesus, his Lord, his Savior, Jesus, how many times should I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Friends, it's this. If you've received forgiveness, you wouldn't ask the question, all doubt of Ridgway's guilt was erased. He pleaded guilty to the murders of 48 women. He'd made a deal to cooperate with the prosecution to provide more information on his victims and the whereabouts of their remains. In doing so, he avoided a trial and possible death penalty. Mr. Ridgway, how do you plead to the charge of aggravated murder in the first degree as charged in count one? for the death of Wendy Lee Caulfield. Guilty. How do you plead to the charge of aggravated murder in the first degree as charged in count two? Guilty. 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 You had said your memory, when it comes to all of the women you took, was gone. Our memory is not. In your words, you said that they didn't mean anything to you, but she meant everything to us. She was a mother. She was a wife. She was a sister. And we miss her. Gary Ridgway sat there stone-faced as victims' relatives damned him and mocked him. He's an animal. I wish for him to have a long, suffering, cruel death. He's gonna go to hell and that's where he belongs. But then the emotionless facade finally cracked when the father of one of his victims appeared to surprise him with a dose of human kindness. Mr. Ridgway. Um, there are people here that hate you. I'm not one of them. You've, you've made it difficult to live up to what I believe, and it is what God says to do, and that's to forgive. You are forgiven, sir. Jesus, how many times, how many times do I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Quantify it for me. Help me know when I finally have reached my limit where I can finally go, enough is enough. There's a little bit of Peter in all of us, isn't there? There's a little bit of that heart 
and says, I'm not sure I can be big enough to allow forgiveness to come in, and Jesus understood that. So he told a little story, a tale of the kingdom. He wanted everybody to know that forgiveness is a universal need. Everybody needs forgiveness. We just heard those songs. And he talks about how mercy is an expression. Forgiveness is an expression really of mercy, that it's the need that we have that we cannot possibly pay. And so we look for that, and we look for someone to step in. And Jesus, of course, would embody it in his own life, doesn't he? That there on the cross, as he's being crucified, arms stretched out, bleeding, people cursing him, calling out names, tearing up his clothes and bargaining for his clothes. And he looks down on all of them. And it didn't matter who it was, but he looks down at all of them and he goes, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. See, forgiveness demands that we live differently. Forgiveness demands that we release the debt because the debt is ours. It's not what the other person owes us. It's the debt that clings to our spirit, to our life, and the hardness that comes into our own soul. And so forgiveness demands that we live differently. James would put it this way in James 2, 12, and 13. He says, speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. But mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy always wins. Mercy wins when we choose to say, I forgive you. I release you. No matter what the pain you cause me, I let it go. And you go, Doug, just a minute. How do you do that? You, you cannot do that on your own. You know this, right? I can't do this on my own. The only way this happens is when I recognize I had a debt that I couldn't pay. And my God loved me so much that he sent Jesus Christ to die for my sin. That's what we call saying yes to Jesus here, recognizing that we had a debt to pay that we couldn't possibly pay. And so we invite Jesus to be the Lord, the forgiver, the restorer, the one who takes away our debt and gives me my freedom. And then it's in that moment when I realize that I have been forgiven and I am freed and there is no debt that I owe. Now suddenly I have opportunity that when someone offends me, I can forgive them and I can release them. And I don't have to wait a day and I don't have to wait a month and I don't have to wait a year. I can have a a little shredder on my pocket. And when you hurt me, I can shred the very thought of that and let it go because God has forgiven me. We all need a little forgiveness, don't we? And so together today, I'm going to encourage you. Let the truth of the tale of the kingdom guide us that we might live and act as Jesus called us to. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning, I take a moment just to pray with those that are listening online and those that are in the room with me today, perhaps those that are listening at a later date, that if there's anyone, young person, older person, even teenager, that knows that they have not asked you to forgive the debt that they owe, to be released from their sin. You've already paid the price. It's all covered. All they have to do is reach out and receive it from you. I pray as they say yes to Jesus and they stop at a yes station a little bit later today, we'll do everything we can as a church to help walk with them. And Father, I pray for all of us. We live in a world that is marred and broken. There's so much destruction. And we are your agents and instruments of light. We are salt to this world. 
But if we allow our unforgiveness to taint our spirit and block our heart, we miss it. And it really does come down to this, that forgiveness is the heart of the matter. So Holy Spirit, would you empower us today? That name of the person that just comes into our spirit right now, the face that we see, the action that was committed against us, may we be quick to forgive so that we can walk in the freedom that you offer to us today. And I pray that would be truth for all of us. And I ask it in Christ's name. Amen.